Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today's episode is actually uh, something that just kind of came out of nowhere. We're talking about a whole new MCU movie that debuted on Disney Plus for the Halloween season. It's Werewolf by Night, starring Gail Garcia Bernal and uh, directed by composer Michael Giacchino. That's crazy. Um, it's a, uh, it's an interesting one and a really fun kind of throwback to the old monster movies. And, uh, we had a great time talking about it. Joining me for this conversation is Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of great puzzle pieces in this one. So that is coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And also, uh, don't forget, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as bonus content from Awesome Movie Year. We just posted a uh, brand new bonus episode on A Few Good Men over on the Patreon. So there's that, and then uh, also stuff from my music career. So lots of great stuff. Check it out. It's the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, patreon.com slash Rosen. So with that said, let's talk about Werewolf by Night. All right, it's the Halloween season, so we got to fit in as many of these spooky movies as we can. And who would have thought we'd be talking about a spooky Marvel movie? Josh Bell is with us. Josh, how's it going? Uh, spookily, maybe? Spookily, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> good word. That's Thank really you. good. Yeah. Josh, you, you're more of a comic guy than me, like in the past, like, you know, I don't, not specifically the movies, but did you read any of this stuff, these comics that this whole Werewolf by Night is based on? No, I, I think the thing about Werewolf by Night and a lot of characters that they're getting to in some of these Marvel movies now is that he wasn't like a major character. I think mm -hmm. I, I, I'd have to look this up to be a hundred percent certain. But I think during my really like height of reading Marvel superhero comics, which I don't read much of anymore, there was no Werewolf by Night series happening. Like right. he showed up maybe in some stuff and I probably read some series. He uh, he actually would have interacted a lot, I think, with Morbius. The mm. <laughs> lovely <laughs> character there. He may come up later in this conversation. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, because I think he was a he was sometimes associated with Spider-Man, but obviously not enough that this fell into that category like Morbius where he has the rights are with Sony. But I think also he would be part of the kind of 
supernatural lane or realm of Marvel stuff, along with characters like Ghost Rider. And mm -hmm. I did read some of those comics. So it's quite possible that I read some story that he appeared in as a sort of secondary presence. But yeah, it was not something where I was uh, really knowledgeable. And it's possible I'm confusing some of these things with the character Man Wolf, which is another oh. Man Werewolf. Thing, Man Wolf. Right, all, right. All That's a, yeah. That character is actually more associated with Spider Man. That is actually, and now let's see, some comic book person who knows more than I do. But off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure that Man Wolf is actually John Jameson, the son of J. Jonah Jameson, who is Ooh. a character in one of the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies, although is not a werewolf yet because he goes into space and maybe becomes a werewolf because he goes to the moon i wow. may be getting all of this wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah you may you're either uh, my guest expert or you have no idea what you're talking about one, yeah, one or it, the other <laughs> some of this is right <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough well i don't know any of it all of my marvel knowledge comes from marvel versus capcom so i mean that that's that's basically where it all stopped until the mcu started so yeah. uh, i mean i think yeah. one one thing that i'm definitely right about is that this is not a character on the level of like captain america and iron man sure. or whatever they're sure. they're reaching lower into the depths and i will say also for me personally i'm far more familiar with both elsa bloodstone and Man-Thing as comic book mm -hmm. characters who are this, the sort of other main presences in this movie than I am with Werewolf by Night. Yeah, fair enough. Um, before, before we start getting into some puzzle pieces, <laughs> uh, I, I, a couple other things I kind of wanted to get out of the way. First of all, directed by Michael Giacchino. Um, that, that's kind of the main reason I was interested in this movie. You know, I, as you know, I... I haven't watched any of the shows. I know you watched some of them, maybe not all of them, but... I haven't yeah, watched any of I'm, it. I'm behind. I, I initially was because I, I enjoy Marvel. I like I wish we we're just talking about. It. I was a comic book Marvel comic book reader for a long time, and I still read occasional Marvel comic books. So I think I had the intention to keep up with this stuff at one time. But mm. there's just so much of it. You're right, right. So I watched I, I haven't watched in a while. I watched WandaVision, which I enjoyed. And then I watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I did not enjoy. And then I keep thinking, oh, maybe I'll watch another one. And then I never do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super behind on that. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I just, I just wanted to mention Giacchino, a fantastic composer, and his music here is incredible. And um, yes. so it was, you know, just exciting, you know, as a composer myself, it's exciting that he was given the chance to do this. And I understand that he uh, has directed a couple of shorts here and there uh, over the years or episodes of things. And um, so it's just a, a cool project for someone like that. The other thing I wanted to mention, um, and then we'll start getting into pieces, but, you know, I feel like I'm coming to this from a place of maybe a little MCU fatigue, which I feel like a lot of people are in that same boat uh, with, you know, it's just being a constant onslaught of like four or five movies a year, plus all these shows and everything. From your understanding, I mean, I'm not, I'm not digging too deep into things here, but like, is this an MCU thing or is it just everything is an MCU thing now if it comes from Marvel? Well, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I think one of the refreshing things about it is that it doesn't feel obligated to include a million references and appearances from other MCU things. At the very beginning in that opening narration, we see like a drawing, I guess, of the Avengers and they mention like Marvels and heroes or something very sure. vague like that. And, and yeah, I'm sure that down the road, 
Werewolf by Night and Elsa Bloodstone and Man-Thing will show up in some other MCU thing and probably will be much lamer than they are in this because they're allowed to be on their own. But I mean, I think like maybe this is a tangent, but I feel like one of the things that the MCU does such a poor job in replicating the comics, I mean, they're really like all in on the idea of things being interconnected and there being big crossovers and things like that in the comics. Mm -hmm. But that is only one element that maybe because there are so many more comics released every month than there are even with this amount of Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff that we have, like the majority of the stuff is in its on its own. It's its own thing. Yeah. You know, it's not obligated to always be a crossover with everything else at all times. So, I mean, if you picked up a Werewolf by Night comic book, you wouldn't necessarily have to know everything that was happening with the Avengers and and uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever else. You would just read about Werewolf by Night doing some werewolf things. Sure. And that would be fine. Yeah. And that that's yeah, that that's a great place to kick this thing off because yeah, this is it feels like a standalone and although it may tie in at some point uh it, it's just kind of its own little story and that's uh, part of what's i think a little bit refreshing about this but let's start getting into those pieces what do you have for your first one well i'll, I'll start with the obvious and uh that is the wolfman sure the, uh universal monster movie of course there's many universal monster movies from uh mainly from the 40s but from the 30s through the 50s i think is the main heyday of those movies that jacchino is influenced by in creating this film but of course uh, Lon Chaney as the Wolfman from um, 41. There you go. The Wolfman <laughs> from 1941 is the main thing and is is still, I think, a lot of the imagery of werewolves in movies, even though there's hundreds of werewolf movies at this point. And, and one thing that I think some people were maybe complaining about or didn't quite understand is when Jack, the Gael Garcia Bernal character, transforms into the werewolf mm. at towards sort of the end or the midpoint or wherever it is of this film. And I think we're used to these really elaborate transformations and with CGI, or even if it's mostly practical and the fact that he just sort of looks like a dude with a really hairy face. Sure. People were yeah. a little off put by, but that is what Lon Chaney looks like in the Wolfman. Yeah. And that is, I think part of the homage It's also similar to, I think how werewolf by night looks in the comics. But I liked that he looked a little goofy as a werewolf right. and that it wasn't he was, you know, the poor actor was replaced by a motion capture, you know, CGI stand in or whatever that he I'm sure really had all that stuff applied to his face and you can see his expressions and all that. So definitely, I mean, we could do a whole category of universal monster movies, but the Wolfman is clearly the main one. Yeah, absolutely. You could go right down the list and uh, and throw them all in there. But yeah, that would definitely be the first one. And that's funny. I didn't even realize that people were like kind of complaining about that transformation because yeah, that that's that's how he should look. That that's if if you're gonna go you know all in with trying to recreate that style, why would you stop there? You know, and uh, any of the other creature work also kind of has like a little bit of a you know like I don't want to say silly, but like you know just kind of like a fun you know a, a a fun movie kind of vibe to it. It's not like trying to be uh, over the top you know giant blockbuster type effects. Right. I mean, and we have Man-Thing who is represented by CGI, but I feel like they maybe not always entirely successfully, but they try to make that integrated into the more classic practical look of everything else in this movie. 
Absolutely. Well, I'll jump around in my pieces uh, since we're talking about that like recreation of uh, of a style or whatnot. Uh, I'm gonna go with Grindhouse as a puzzle piece here because I mean it, the the kind of I, I do feel like maybe it shouldn't have been uh, distributed in full on 4K HDR. I think that maybe kind of like hides a little bit of the effect, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah. they they certainly tried though to uh, to make this thing look like an old, like we said, the Universal monster movies, you know, it, it, complete with uh, film degradation and cigarette burns and the black and white. Uh, all of it is made to look old, much like what Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino were doing with their Grindhouse thing. And especially this feels almost more so like the the fake trailers in between the movies, um, you know, the, the Rob Zombie one and all that stuff. So it, it kind of feels like they're trying to do that whole throwback and maybe like a midnight movie kind of a thing. And that all kind of also plays into the length, which I know was like kind of a, a major talking point over the weekend since this came out, the fact that the movie's 50 minutes you know, long, um, which of course, you know, people quickly then kind of came around to the fact that, oh, that's what a lot of these old movies were. So it kind of like, again, kind of just fits into the capturing of that style. So there's just so much stylistically going on here that, uh, Again, you know, maybe it's kind of having its cake and eating it too a little bit with, uh, you know, still being a modern movie with effects and all that stuff, but is trying to at least to a degree try to capture some of that stuff. Yeah, I think so. And it's got the fake like cigarette burns and stuff mm -hmm. as if it's an old film projection. And I've seen a lot of really bad low budget movies, especially at our old friend Chad's uh, yeah. Polygrind Film Festival, where these low budget filmmakers add fake film grain as if that's good enough to excuse all the shittiness of their movie because sure. it's like on purpose, because yeah. it's like an old movie. Um, so I don't think that's what's going on here. Um, mm -hmm. I think Giacchino is, first of all, making a much, much better movie than those uh, movies, those low budget movies. But also, you know, it's done out of a genuine love for that. And and I think also that that sort of midnight movie, I don't have a puzzle piece for this, but I, I don't know if you recall growing up in Vegas watching Count Cool Rider on local TV here, no. um, who is, of course, more known as a reality TV star now for his custom motorcycles. But uh, I definitely, when I was a teenager, used to watch him in uh, on the weekends, like Saturday nights or something at 10 p.m. hosting old horror movies. And that's, of course, there's a long tradition of that, whether it's that guy or someone more famous like Elvira. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what this is sort of capturing, especially with like the logo at the beginning, that like sure. 70s style special presentation logo, that this is a kind of thing that you would tune into on TV where you would have some sort of fake ghoulish host yeah. introducing you to this old movie and that was the way that a lot of people first discovered those so uh yeah shout out to count cool writer who i think maybe was the way that i first saw like night of the living dead or something sure. like that and uh and now can be seen on on counts uh counts customs i think is what it's called oh, reality nice show. nice yeah yeah hopefully not to to step on any of your pieces that you have prepared but um you know as long as we're talking about that we might as well throw in tales from the crypt twilight zone things like that i mean this definitely feels like an episode of any of those kind of things which goes right around with uh, with that as well right i mean i would think of also like creep show sure uh, to go along with those as well all of those I mean, the Twilight Zone is like the original and, you know, something like Creepshow and Tales from the Crypt is like a recreation sure. of those like comic books. But yeah, it, it all and ties back into comics as well, because EC Comics and that kind of stuff was coming out at, at the time that that Marvel was first 
building its uh, its universe in the in the 1960s. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what do you got for your next one? Um, so, well, I, I I can stick with some sort of pastiches, and I was trying to find or think of something that was more of a straightforward like recreation of one of those old monster movies in a more modern time. And it just, I'm sure there's something that I've seen that I just, it just slipped my mind. So instead my pick is young Frankenstein, which on the one hand is a parody is certainly making fun of old universal monster movies in particular, the Frankenstein movies. And in particular, I think son of Frankenstein is the one that Mel Brooks takes a lot of the plot points from. But the other thing about young Frankenstein is that it is incredible incredibly well constructed as like a recreation of those movies. Mm -hmm. It's not just a silly parody. Like Mel Brooks knows his filmmaking stuff. And we talked about this on awesome movie year when we talked about his Alfred Hitchcock parody, high anxiety, like he can get the filmmaking techniques of these incredibly talented, like legendary filmmakers. And if you watch like those early Frankenstein movies, and then you watch young Frankenstein, it looks like it fully belongs with those movies. It's not just a series of jokes. It's very funny, but it's also done with an incredible amount of respect and care for what those movies are. And this is not a parody, although it does feature some moments of humor, but I would imagine that Giacchino would respect what Mel Brooks did in Young Frankenstein in in what he's trying to do here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Young Frankenstein is so great. I was actually almost going to watch it last night right after I watched this. Um, <laughs> and I ended up landing on the fly for whatever reason instead. But uh, yeah, it's it's so good. And yeah, it, it's so uh, it's so perfectly is is, you know, doing everything that the actual movies that it's parodying does. And so, yeah, it, it's a great style recreation and uh, a, a perfect example of that. So I love that great piece there. Um I'll, you know what, I already brought up Robert Rodriguez, but I'm going to go Sin City for another piece here talking about like recreating a style, um, you know, and this is more so than a lot of other Marvel movies. Like, and again, I'm not a comic reader, so maybe I'm missing some of those cues, but like, I feel like a lot of uh, MCU movies, they're just trying to be movies. They're not necessarily trying to recreate the panels or anything like that. But uh, this movie from like little, little bits and pieces I've seen in various reviews, like it seems like they're really going after the look of the actual comics. And so uh, the way that Sin City is like a perfect example of recreating comic strips, uh, I felt like that was like a, a good comparison there. Yeah, I had Sin City on my list as well. And I think you're right. I saw at least one thing online with a side by side comparison of a frame from this movie of the transformation of of Jack into the werewolf and a mm-hmm. frame from a werewolf by night comic that is literally like a full on, you know, copy of it, on, awesome. obviously on, on purpose as a tribute. So yeah, that's definitely there. And the other thing related to Sin City is the black and white with the like touch of color sure. for a certain thing that's important here. We have the, the bloodstone, which is red within the, the framework of the movie that's otherwise black and white until the very mm-hmm. end. Yeah. You know, it, actually... Like we were talking earlier about how this isn't exactly one of the bigger characters in you know the Marvel movies. It must be as a comic fan, like like not us necessarily, but like people who read these 
to think like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later or whatever, that they would be getting a, a realistic like recreation of those frames. That must be wild, you know, just mind Oh, blowing. yeah. I mean, and, and even even from the comics that I've read, the idea that they're taking some of these characters, like I said, like Elsa Bloodstone. Elsa Bloodstone is a character who was introduced in like 2001 or something like that, I want to yeah. say. And I remember reading of her in a comic book called Next Wave, which is by Warren Ellis, which is like a ridiculous, like, self-aware kind of like piss take on the whole idea of superhero comics. And, and she was mm. a great character in that, but it, you know, to think that that character and this, this is a very different representation of her, but reading when I was reading next wave and thinking like, Oh yeah, there's going to be an Elsa bloodstone movie. <laughs> like that is totally mind boggling. Just like never, but uh, yeah, yes. that's awesome. That's awesome. What do you got for your next one? Well, you know, I was just saying that I had trouble trying to remember, you know, sort of pastiches um, that that are similar to this. And and one that I had thought of that, like, popped back into my mind as I was talking about Young Frankenstein is Frankenweenie, the Tim Burton sure. film. And and especially the original short film, the the feature film version that that people maybe know more of now, which is the animated version, um, is it's it's a little more cartoony it's a little more of like a family animated movie mm -hmm. but the original short which i think is like 20 minutes long and i believe both are on disney plus is absolutely a recreation of those monster movies and it's funny but i think it's less of a parody than like young frankenstein i think tim sure. burton has more of like taking this kind of thing seriously. Like he's making a version of that. Like, sure, maybe it's a kid and his wiener dog or whatever, mm -hmm. but it really is like, what if a universal monster movie was about a kid and a wiener dog? Yeah. And, you know, Burton is someone who certainly has the visual imagination to do something like this. I'm sort of surprised that they haven't hired Tim Burton to make a Marvel movie yet. I know. I was just thinking that actually. Yeah. Because like, even though he hasn't done anything recently that has really worked too well, like he he definitely has that sense of style, and you would think that he could recreate something in in a way that would you know be pleasing to fans of the comics, right? And 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 most of what he's been doing recently is just sort of these slightly like Tim Burtony recreations of other things. Yeah, um, I mean, including Disney when he directed Dumbo. So uh, I would imagine he'd be perfectly willing to sort of sell out quote unquote to do a Marvel movie, but you know, it'll happen, maybe it'll happen sure. in the future. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is just a little one, uh, but towards the beginning of, of this story, uh, all, all these monster hunters are, they've kind of been brought to this place to, uh, hunt down this monster and they're kind of, they've got their banter, their usual like MCU style banter. And, uh, the two main ones are, are kind of arguing over who was killed more. And I was thinking about, uh, Legolas and Gimli, is it from Lord of the Rings when they have their, sure. their little, uh, battle over, over who got the most kills. So, um, just, just a little reference there but yeah sure why not <laughs> why not <laughs> so what do you got next yeah so i like kind of piggybacking that that whole gathering of people in this strange home and they don't really know all exactly why they're there necessarily until they're greeted by this you know old owner of the home or whatever and Sticking with the classic monster movie and horror movie tone, I thought of House on Haunted Hill, mm -hmm. which is a little later. It's from, I think, 1959. So it's a bit later than that main universal monster movie period. It's not a universal movie, but is about, you know, is a black and white movie about these various people being gathered by this mysterious figure. And, and Vincent, if Vincent Price were alive, 
he would have played Ulysses Bloodstone in Probably. this movie. I'm sure that's the tone that they were kind of aiming for with that character. And uh, those aren't monster hunters. They're people, you know, the idea is they have to spend the night in this haunted house and they'll get money. And uh, it, but it's 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 similar, that kind of cheesy tone. It's something that would have been shown on one of those late night horror, uh, you know, local TV shows or whatever. I think I might have first seen it in a riff tracks version with them making fun of it. Um, <laughs> but it's a classic. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's a, a great one there. And uh, maybe we'll uh, talk about Vincent Price on the next episode or I mean, the next season of Awesome Movie here. We'll see what happens. I, I hope we do. I think we're going to. But up next, I'll go with Van Helsing talking about monster hunters and, you know, again, playing within the world of of the classic movie monsters. Uh, here we have a whole bunch of Van Helsings all kind of being brought together into this place. A movie that I can't believe we haven't gotten a new version of yet. It, it seems like uh, it's going to happen any day now. Maybe even just bring Hugh Jackman back. Yeah, that was a very bad movie. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, people love that stuff. They love crap. Um, no, I had I had that on my list too, and I think the other thing about that is not only the the sort of throwback within the modern blockbuster context, but the idea that these old monsters would be repurposed for the sake of like a big universe or whatever, and that didn't happen with Van Helsing. But you know, I also thought in relation to that, like the Tom Cruise the Mummy movie, the which was universe. meant to launch this the, the dark universe <laughs> that people make fun of still. Yeah, um, but. You know, the the idea that these old monster characters could be part of this modern blockbuster universe concept. Yeah. And, um, you know, Marvel will be able to make it work, right? Yeah. We'll see, again, Werewolf by Night is going to be in, like, Avengers 5 or something, and it'll be sad to see that for Gael <laughs> Garcia Bernal having to do that, because I'm sure he signed a contract to appear in eight movies or whatever. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, Marvel will be able to do that, whereas we never got the version of that that would have happened with the mummy or with van helsing that dark universe press photo is still one of the funniest <laughs> things that's happened in the last decade in movies but uh that that's the puzzle piece right there not even yeah. the movie just the, the dark universe press photo oh it's incredible i love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> what do you got for your next piece well, so I'll do a sort of combo piece here because these are both uh, Guillermo del Toro films, but I, I thought of both The Shape of Water and Hellboy. Mm -hmm. uh, the Shape of Water, of course, is del Toro's own effort to take one of those classic movie monsters, basically the creature from the Black Lagoon, and repurpose it in a film with a modern sensibility. I mean, a more serious, emotionally engaged film, you know, with the romance and all of that stuff, but certainly accessible to a mainstream audience. Um, and then Hellboy, which is his comic book adaptation and deals with a lot of monster concepts that mm -hmm. also fit within the framework of a superhero story. So this feels like, I mean, we've referenced multiple directors, but this feels like the kind of movie that Guillermo del Toro would make, just like it's the kind of thing that Tim Burton might make. Yeah. So, you know, I think he's certainly a big influence. I saw someone on someone on Letterboxd basically to, to talk about another filmmaker in that kind of realm saying, you know, Sam Raimi must have felt so jealous watching this movie because it's like he had to make the Doctor Strange movie and yeah, Giacchino right. got to make this, which is much more <laughs> seems like something Sam Raimi would want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, to, to bring up uh, Del Toro, um, 
you know, I, I, I'm sure this goes back to the comics again, but uh, Man Thing has a lot of like Cthulhu going on with that design, yeah. and so, and obviously that's like a huge, huge influence on a lot of Del Toro's stuff. So, um, so yeah, a, a lot of great stuff there uh, between all of his work and just working with monsters and and all the things that come from it. So yeah, yeah, absolutely great one. Um, I will throw in the Underworld series. Uh, you know badass monster stuff basically you know i mean it's it's kind of i mean we we are getting a blade movie uh soon enough you know it's, it's eventually Speaking gonna happen of guillermo del toro yeah there you go and so you know that always kind of like the, i always thought that they were like kind of the in the same world i didn't even realize like when i was younger and those movies first came out that that wasn't all part of the same thing it just kind of has that same vibe but uh it it just goes hand in hand with monsters and vampires and werewolves and just uh, you know over the top action and all that kind of stuff, and uh, those movies definitely have their fans, and I think people want to see. Uh, even though this isn't R-rated or anything like that, you know, it doesn't get like ultra violent or anything like that. But people want to see like monsterish stuff mixed with superhero type stuff. And those movies really kind of did that for, for quite a while. And I think that's why they kind of have a bit of a cult following. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember thinking that those movies were bad and I haven't seen all of them. I think there's five of them somehow. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they definitely combine that whole, um, supernatural world with action superhero-y kind of stuff. And, um, Blade is definitely one of those characters that if you looked back at the comic books, I'm sure had a lot of interactions with Werewolf by Night. And so may maybe more likely than like Avengers 5, I would think Werewolf by Night is probably going to show up in the Blade movie. That seems like a better place for him. Yeah, that, that would be good. And uh, hopefully the Blade movie makes people happy because uh, people really are excited about the prospect of a new Blade. So Yeah, and uh, the, the director of that like recently dropped out and I saw at least a few people online saying... Chiquino, get yeah. him in that. So. Let's give him this. Why not? Yeah. Give him a full-on feature, a big theatrical feature. Why not? Let's do sure, it. Sure, sure. Well, uh, what do you got for your next piece? So I have one more thing. This is kind of redundant, but I feel like I need to mention James Whale, who is one of the major, if not the most major, classic Universal Monster movie director who directed Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. And I was going to mention his film, The Old Dark House, which is... Uh, a horror movie, but is also has a lot of comedic elements. And I think, you know, this is something we get that MCU comedy stuff here. Maybe not as much as in other productions, but it's certainly there. Mm. And that is another movie about a bunch of strangers converging in a spooky house and trying to figure out what's going on. Sure. And it's a bit more goofy, but um, it's sort of a lesser known James Whale film, although it has it, it's a, it's a classic. I mean, it's certainly if it's not on the level of his Frankenstein movies, it's, it's close, but I mean, I think James whale in general is, is a huge influence on Giacchino here. So I will say the old dark house. Nice. Yeah. I, I've never seen it, but uh, it, it sounds like it would fit perfectly here. And, you know, of course he's just such a major figure in classic horror. So, you know, why yes. not? It's great to include him here. Uh, I'll go with my final piece. Not a classic figure, but Morbius. Um, had to be on the list here. Uh, Are you, you know, saying that Morbius Mar is not a timeless classic? He, he will be eventually. You know, we'll all look back <laughs> fondly. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, a lot of this could be 
brought up, we were just talking about Blade. You, you could say a lot of the same things there, but like, you know, mixing the Marvel world with like the maybe slightly darker, it's still a fun comic book superhero movie. You know, it's not like it's fun is a word that applies to Morbius. <laughs> it's uh it's who knows? I don't even know. But uh I I I, I this is the same kind of like superhero world as a Morbius. So, you know, it kind of has to be said and Morbius has been a fairly big part of the conversation when it comes to blockbusters, even if it didn't do so well for Jared Leto and company, um, you know, it, it has to be included there. And who knows again, you know, to talk about how, you know, if and how werewolf by night will fit into the MCU at large. I mean, there's been so much said about the Sony Marvel movies, what, you know, where they will fit in and all that. Uh, you know, you could throw Venom in there too. Like nobody quite knows how it's all going to fit together, but I'm sure it will at some point. Yeah. And it, it's a shame that Morbius got such a terrible representation in film because he is an integral part of this whole like area of the Marvel universe where they've done very well with stuff like, well, I mean, well, with Blade coming up, but the previous Blade movies, even though they're not part of the MCU, were, were well regarded yeah. with this, with Doctor Strange. Like I was just writing a, a piece about a collection of, of Doctor Strange comics from the 90s. And when he was really deeply enmeshed in this whole realm of the Marvel Universe and reading that collection, Morbius was all over it. He was yeah. in tons of Doctor Strange comics and like fit perfectly there and but the fact that he's now just a joke means that even if i feel like even if marvel somehow got the rights to morbius there's no way they could put morbius even with a different actor in any of their productions because people would just laugh at him maybe like phase 12 or something we'll finally get him <laughs> <You> back know, <laughs> once once everyone who saw jared leto as morbius is dead yes. then we can finally bring morbius back <laughs> poor morbius Oh boy. I think, yeah, I think that's uh, the last of my pieces there. So uh, yeah. Are, are there any uh, closing thoughts, anything we didn't quite get to while uh, talking about pieces that you wanted to bring up here? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, I think we covered all these major influences and it's just, it's fun. I mean, we covered the idea that this is a standalone thing. I kept waiting for friggin like Tony Stark to pop up or probably mm -hmm. not him, but yeah. someone for She-Hulk or Hawkeye or somebody or, or one of these characters to be like, you know, my buddy Clint Barton told me the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they, they resist that. There's no post credit scene. I was shocked it's, about that. Yeah. This may be the first MCU project with no post credit scene. Although maybe I think Avengers uh, Endgame didn't have one, but cause it was like, the that was artsy. Of, Sorry, yeah, that was exactly. that was an artsy choice. Yeah, <laughs> but but I, I I really I really like that about this that you could watch this if you've never seen anything Marvel at all. If you just like old monster movies or horror or whatever, you could spend fifty three minutes on this, have a good time, and never watch anything Marvel again, and still be totally satisfied. And I like yeah, that about it for sure. And th this was like announced like a month ago, right? Like at like that D twenty three or whatever. Like that's kind of a fun like kind of way for them to. You know, because again, you know, not not to, to harp on it, but like, you know, the fatigue is real. And so for, for them to like find a new way to kind of throw some new Marvel content out there and it be exciting and not be this big world ending thing that has to happen every, you know, three months now. It's uh it's nice to just have like a little extra piece of Marvel fun to to just throw out there for people. Right. No, I totally agree. And the idea that they could make this lower budget project 
And I mean, when the MCU was first announced in like 2008 or whatever, I remember them talking about how, oh yeah, we'll have like big blockbusters like Captain America and Iron Man, but then we're going to make smaller budget movies with some of these smaller characters. And they just got, they lost that idea. Mm. And so I think they're finally doing this. I think it's almost sad. And I'm sure Giacchino got to make this exactly the length that he wanted, but I feel like it's like Marvel hedging their bets. Like we can't call this a movie because Mm. that diminishes the like importance of Marvel movies. So we have to call it a special presentation because it's not like Avengers or Dr. Strange or whatever. And I think it's too bad. Like I would love for them to put out little lower budget standalone movies on Disney plus every so often like this, that maybe actually got to feature length, but aren't two and a half hours long. But it seems like they still have this, reluctance to say that like this small production is a Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. Well, I would probably watch more of the uh, Disney plus content if it was 57 minutes or whatever this was. Yeah, I I would be much happier to watch that than a 10 episode series. That was really just like an hour of story, but um, I fully agree. (laughs) Josh, is there something else you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Well, I want to recommend something that I watched not recently, but has been released recently, which is a movie called Teenage Emotions that was I saw at the virtual Slamdance Film Festival last year and really, really liked and had been like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for this to be finally released. And it's it came out last month on Mubi, which is a streaming service that maybe not that many people have that I actually mm. don't have either. But that's where this film is. It is just, I mean, it is exactly what the title says it is. It's this incredibly naturalistic drama that feels very, very real and very, very heartfelt about just like teenagers interacting uh, in high school. It was made by the filmmaker. The director is a teacher of film at a real high school. And the students were all involved in crafting the arcs for their characters. So it's a bit shapeless at times but it just feels so real and so honest. And it's not contrived in the way of something like Euphoria where like all these teens have to be like strung out on drugs Mm. and having terrible uh, sex, you know, risky sex or whatever. Like not that the characters don't make bad decisions or do bad things, but it's just much more low key. And it, it, the high school that it was made at, it's not like some random high school, like Laura Dern's daughter is one of the stars of it who happened to go to that high school. So, you know, there's a, there's a level above, you know, just there are resources here that wouldn't exist maybe at every high school. Everyone knows someone out there. Right. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I just was really like drawn into it. It felt very honest and, you know, it makes you glad to not be a teenager anymore, mm. but but identify with what goes on. So if you have movie, watch Teenage Emotions. I don't know if it's going to be available anywhere beyond movie at any point, but it's really one of my favorite movies of 2022. Oh, that it sounds really interesting and I uh I'm hoping to be able to find it if I uh I don't even know if I have movie. Maybe I have movie. <laughs> we'll you find out. All, don't you, Dave? You just subscribe to every single one of them. I, my, my Criterion just auto-renewed, and I was like, oh, shit, I haven't watched anything on there in like a month, but I guess, you know. Yeah, no, me neither. But every I always want to watch everything on there. I don't yeah. want to like cancel it because there's so much good stuff that I should get to at some yeah, point. Absolutely. Josh, what's going on on Awesome Movie Year? Well, speaking of, I don't know what we're speaking of, classics, I guess, right? You mentioned Vincent Price. I think we are talking about Vincent Price. I was like, it slipped my mind, but then I remembered that we are. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we are about to, I guess when this comes out, we might be still talking about some 
Halloween related stuff for October. But starting in November, we're going to get to our new season on the films of 1953, which I'm super excited about because I'm always interested in looking further back into film history on awesome movie year. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. There is a Vincent Price movie in there and a bunch of other cool stuff. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com, at awesomemovieyear on Facebook and Instagram, at awesomemoviepod on Twitter, and wherever you get podcasts. And uh, we appreciate all the listener support. Awesome. Well, Josh, as always, uh, thank you for being here. And I always look forward to getting you back on the show. Yeah, look forward to another one soon. That's Serena over there. And that's Naomi. And we are the hosts of Weird Mythic Podcast. Yes, we are. Our show, Weird Mythic, covers stories about cryptids, which is what brought us together to create the show. But we also like to talk about anything paranormal and strange that happens in the world. We post episodes every Sunday on different topics, and we would love to have more listeners. We're on all podcast platforms, and you can find us on all social media sites as well. Give us a listen, send us some personal stories to share on the show, and we will love you forever. Yes, we will. We would love some personal stories, some cryptid encounters, and we hope that you listen and tune into the show. You can listen to Weird Mythic Podcasts wherever you get your podcast fix. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Werewolf by Night. Thank you to Josh Bell for joining me on that one. Make sure you're listening to Awesome Movie Year. We are, speaking of the Halloween season, we're currently in the midst of three back-to-back bonus episodes on scary movies. We've got Death Becomes Her. We've got Idle Hands. And then we finish it up with The Shining, which uh, we just recently did 1980. So that was one of the most requested episodes that we did not get to during the season. So of course we had to get to it now. Uh, And then we launch into that next season. So uh, really exciting stuff over there on Awesome Movie Year. If you enjoy piecing it together, make sure you're also listening to Awesome Movie Year. And, of course, make sure you're subscribed wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Uh, We'd really appreciate it if you drop a five-star rating. That helps make sure more people get to hear the show. And uh, really, just thank you for being out there listening. Uh, Other than that, you know, follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. I already told you about the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, so you know that's there if you really want to uh, support us that way. We do appreciate it. Uh, Another way you could support the show is the Discover Pods Awards are going on right now, and you can nominate Piecing It Together for a uh, award over there. So, you know, I'd appreciate it if you uh, maybe threw a nomination our way, uh, see what happens. So uh, check the show notes. There'll be a link to uh, where you can go to nominate Piecing It Together. So let's close this thing out with a piece of music. And I think for all of these... uh, spookyish episodes i'm going to go into that halloween tracks folder that i've got on my hard drive i mentioned during our smile episode earlier this week and look for something to play from that folder that will fit for this episode this is a kind of a fun one i made this for a uh, a paranormal tv series a while back and uh it's a track called In the Dark. It's never been released in any like official way, but it, it was played on the show. And uh, yeah, this will be a good one to play to play us out here. So enjoy In the Dark. Maybe I'll release it on a compilation or something one day. And uh, we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. <music> ¶¶
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.